how do we still improve? How do we feel like we're improving? How do we, you know, just what can we do to adjust? Improving cardio, flexibility, improving your diet. You wonder why he's so good. Those are so important and you don't need to leave your house to do that. It's all about technique. It's all about discipline. The whole point of jujitsu is being able to adapt. Yo, what up? <laughs> we were just having a conversation before click and record, but um, yeah, like I wanted to assemble the crew just to just, you know, talk about what's going on recently. You know, Daniel, you've been pretty active in a, a few other areas that are relevant to just jujitsu and just life in general. And um, Edsel just got his car worked on, you know what I mean? Getting that clutch, you know, the, the, eight, the, the Toyota, they're five speed, right? Six speed. Six, six speed? Oh, okay, six speed club. I'm, I got six speed as well, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, <clears throat> okay, so right off the bat, like, you know, it's so funny because last week, so I want to open the school soon. So I figure I've been avoiding talking, like going home to LA where my parents are at because, you know, they're older. They're, 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 they're classically categorized as like people that are the target demo for Corona. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the, they want to attack my parents so bad you feel me so uh i i've been avoiding them but i'm finding that it's closer and closer that we might be opening soon so i figured i'd go down last week and the plan was to be down there for maybe a handful of days but right when i got there i checked the news like i'm literally like unpacking my backpack and i'm checking the news and uh, i read san jose area 101's completely blocked and in la area 101's completely blocked so the the roads that i took to get home was like protests were already kicking off, you know what I mean? And then right after that, started seeing all these texts about curfew. You know, in LA, we had we had uh, riots in Long Beach, in uh, Santa Monica, in Los Angeles, downtown LA. And so I was getting like curfew feeds like nonstop, you know what I mean? So it, it, was, a, it was a really rough situation. Like, you know, I, it, it's a topic I really care about. It's a topic I've lived through, definitely. Um, and it's more complicated than people I think give it credit for. Um, but uh, the main thing is I sort of wanted to get involved because I was so close to all of it, but my parents, you know what I mean? I, was, I can't forget about that. So um, it's the same reason I didn't go out and, you know, beat the streets, but Daniel, you, you know, in Fremont, you, I don't know if you did just one or if you did more, but tell me about it. Like what were you, what was happening during that time? Cause when you were texting me, I was still down there. I was like, I'm just want to wait. Cause I don't want to get stuck on a freeway people you know it might get crazy so um what were you yeah. seeing what were you thinking how are you what happened you know yeah i mean i guess to to sort of preface that you know as to your point there's there's a lot of a lot of different feelings going around um i think the most important thing right now for anybody is to just try to listen but being a, a white male it's definitely, I, I don't know what it was, but for me, I really feel like it's a problem that I couldn't really just sit and, you know, advocate for on social media or whatever. I really felt like, and I still do, that it's a fight that, that I need to partake in, you know, especially considering my ancestors are, are the ones that started this problem in America pretty much. Um, I mean, not my direct ancestors, as far as I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, the the march in Fremont, it was really well put together. Um, 
I saw it started off at what's I saw that? a little bit of it and it looked fucking massive, dude. It was really cool. Yeah, no, there were hundreds of people there. But wow. basically, uh everybody started at uh what was it the the courthouse? Okay. In Fremont. And uh there were a couple speakers there. I think there was a, a teacher uh in Fremont who spoke uh, a black female teacher spoke uh, really, I mean, she was awesome. She really got the crowd fired up. Um, there's a couple other speakers that were just there to really drive the message forward. And then we started marching. We marched down to city hall where basically the, the intent was to have the mayor actually come out and address the crowd, mm. uh, which she did. Uh, albeit she got she got booed when she first came out like hardcore so but she got um, she got booed before saying anything yeah well <laughs> and here's why is is um I, she said it was for religious reasons but uh basically before she spoke the entire crowd hundred, all couple hundred people took a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds in silence um i mean that shit's a really long time if you're just sitting there quietly yeah and like doing nothing it's that's not a short period of time like it really it was a pretty meaningful moment i feel um but then she like she didn't kneel for some reason I, she said it was for religious reasons i don't know i didn't really get the full scope on that but um after that um everybody marched to the police precinct and had the chief of police come out and address the crowd too but what I noticed, I mean, in the crowd of these hundreds of people, you know, people of all different ages, colors, races, um, you know, sexual orientations, whatever, all marching in unity. And it was totally peaceful. There was no violence, no nothing. And, um, you know, I, I definitely thought it was the more, uh, one of the, one of the better protests that like at least that I, I had seen in the area because if you look at san jose and oakland like they got a little wild um, no, I, yeah i've been following that too and so a question for me from me to you is is this the first time you've protested uh no no not um i mean for for black lives matter yeah or but, just in general yeah no not in general but yeah um, yeah uh, what was what was really cool though is that the um the police were actually blocking off cars so that we could march in the middle of the streets. So they were, they were partaking in the actual protest um, and enabling everybody, which I thought was great because it, it maintained civility. Um, it allowed everyone to sort of do what we came there to do and not really have there be um, any kind of violent disruptions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ed, so what do you think about all this going on right now? Man, uh, what I you, think about it? Uh, well, first, I, first, just, uh, yeah, I yeah. want to get different opinions, yeah. you know what it's, I mean? Like, no, nah, man, it's, it's you know, um, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, so, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm normally a uh, give, give police officers uh, and give law enforcement or any, any uh, public servant um, the benefit of the doubt, um, normally in most cases. Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, regardless of this case, but, you know, hist historically they have made a lot of mistakes. 
And, um, but you know, for, for myself, I mean, I still depend on them, uh, when I need them and, you know, when I feel like I can't handle the situation or when things are, are bigger than, you know, something I can't handle. If my, my daughter goes missing, I'm calling the police, right? Like right. it's just how it is. Um, so I always give them the benefit of the doubt, regardless of my skin color or how I've ever been treated by police officers. I, you know, I know personal police officers. And then, so I've always given them the respect that I feel like they, that I feel like they deserve. Maybe their actions do not deserve it, but the way that I feel like they should deserve it since they are a complete stranger and I don't know them. Uh, but then, you know, after watching the videos and so forth, um, the, you know, I mean, it's pretty apparent that uh, this, uh, the police officer, I always forget his name, Chauvin or whatever his name is, um, was uh, trying to punish this, this gentleman, right? He was trying to punish George Floyd. And, and my, my number one takeaway from it is that uh, policing has moved from protecting and serving and by enforcing the law into punishing. And I think, you know, we all understand, we learned this in junior high or high school or whenever it was, was that law enforcement and, and the police department is not there to punish. Uh, your punishment comes from uh, a jury of peers and, and, and so forth by the judge. And so the fact that somehow, you know, it's kind of like the whole Judge Dredd thing, right? Where it's like, you know, in this fictional comic book world, Judge Dredd was a police officer who was also an ordained judge. And he was, uh, you know, the police, the judge and the jury, um, which, you know, we're kind of in that, you know, I'm not saying it's that crazy, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate that that's kind of where we're at. Um, but that's kind of my take on it. And, uh, you know, I definitely support uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I support in uh, reforming uh, police departments. And unfortunately, I did not. I did not uh, protest. I still am uh, quarantined due to my cough. Uh, three months later, uh, so I, I haven't gone out and doing stuff like that. Uh, but I definitely would, um, and uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I think I definitely think you make a great point in terms of, you know, giving due respect to strangers, regardless. One thing though that that has been sort of a hot topic on my mind as, as a result of some of these protests, I've been seeing report after report of peaceful protesters who are, you know, if, if you look at the first amendment, it's right there in plain day, the right to peaceful assembly um, are getting tear gassed and getting uh, pepper balls shot at them. Like look in Seattle. And this is a whole nother topic, by the way, the state of Seattle right now, mm -hmm. um, but like a nine-year-old girl got maced and she was there. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know whether or not like she was dragged there by her parents or whatever, but regardless, like you don't, you don't do that to one, a kid and two, a peaceful protester when they're executing their first amendment. Well, I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, kind of like going back to, you know, the, the talk about the systemic, you know, uh, prejudices or racism that are currently in, in our built into our law enforcement or our laws. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, the First Amendment says that, you know, you are you have the right to have, you know, peaceful uh, protesting. Uh, but what's funny is that there's also local laws that say that you could peaceful protest as long as you have a license to do so. Yeah, <laughs> that you you've you've pre uh, you know, it's like we, you've already pre-cleared it with our local government, you know, be, and so I think the, the problem is, is that we have, a, again, it, it's that systemic issue where not only are 
our police officers being trained in a mindset to fear and to think of their communities as filled with criminals. And it's this like me against you type of situation, but it's also the laws that they're enforcing and the rules and regulations and red tape that are built to control um, you know, people of color, uh, people of different race uh, or, or, or creed, uh, sexuality or you know, economic uh, ability, right? You know, like a lot of these things are built to keep people controlled and people down. And um, I'm hoping that uh, you know, uh, George Floyd, his this situation um, brings about some change. I mean, you're already seeing it, uh, which you know, actually, I have an uh, I have an opinion. And when we get further in the in the podcast regarding uh, one of the changes that I almost feel is detrimental um, to 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 policing and law enforcement. But again, uh, you know, that's just my own opinion, and uh, I I don't I don't run a police force. So yeah. anything I say shall not be used against me. Uh, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the difficulty of it, right? Like I've heard people say, yeah, this is all good and all that, but where are the solutions? And I'm like, there's plenty of solutions, but it's like, um, it, it's at the point where at least there's a discussion about it. That's like a big win. You know right, what I mean? Right. So, yeah. and, 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 and right now, I think even if, even if the change I, don't, I may or may not agree with, I think change is important. I think change is, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring anything else, but you know, Obama ran his whole entire thing on change. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's one of that those. So did Trump. And so did Trump. Right. So people want change. The problem is, is what we can't agree on what the change really is. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, currently right now, everyone's hearing the, the defund the police, right? Like that's the big hashtag. Yep. That's the big, the abolish the police. And I think the, the, the big issue that we're running into is that people hear those words defund and abolish and they think like destroy or dismantle. Um, they don't hear reform, yeah. change, retraining, restructuring. They hear different things. And, and those words are supposed to be polarizing. Those words are supposed to invoke emotion um, in people. And that's why they, they, they use it. That's the branding. Um, but hundred percent. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things I mentioned earlier was the state of Seattle. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, how familiar you guys are with the situation, but basically um, an entire district. So Capitol Hill in Seattle, um, the protesters, it got to a point where they basically flipped the barricades in that district, uh, had the mayor essentially remove all law enforcement and national guard and are now in a what they're calling an autonomous state where there's no government officials personally it borderlines anarchy um, and when we hear things like abolish the police um you know i guarantee that this situation is going to be used as an example because they've taken over the precinct. You have uh, the police precinct in that district and they're now starting to run out of food um, because they're, you know, they're, they're trying to distribute it equally and it's not working well. While the intentions, you know, are to eradicate police brutality you know, at the same time, there's got to be some level of balance, you know, um, you know, retraining, reform, those sort of things, when, when we actually talk about them, 
they're good. These are good things. We can't, we can't just go from one extreme to another and expect society to operate in a structured, peaceful way. It just, it's not, it's not going to work. Well, I, I think, I think that's the, um, that's the fear. That's, you know, when, when the protests came, when the protests first started and came about, I think people were very uh, ongoing. I had this conversation with my daughter um, because she was very, felt like she was very stuck in the middle um, with the idea that it's like, oh, I, I want, I want to support the Black Lives Matter, but then I don't want to support looting and rioting. Right. Yeah. Um, and so in, in your case, you're like, I want to support Black Lives Matter. I want to support change. I want to support this restructuring and reform, but I, I don't want to support, uh, you know, uh, the, this, this radical change, this radical, uh, like you said, like flipping of the, of the barricades and, and, and doing, and having that type of mentality where it just people, other people are being oppressed. Other people are exploited. Other people are punished. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's the 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 big again like I always go back to the word like polarizing because that's what this, these topics and issues are really all about. I think yeah. that people are having these internal debates with themselves because like we want to support something good, but then we don't want to support the uncomfortableness that it takes to make those changes because there's going to be growing pains, there's going to be uh, breakdowns within transition, um, but. I, and again, I, I always say like, I, I, do, I can't know, I, I don't have, it's well above my pay grade and well above my intelligence level and my experience and knowledge base to know what are the right steps, what are the incremental growths, what are the big radical changes and switches that we could turn on and off to make a difference in the right way. I, I, you know, I wish I knew and I wish somebody, you know, an elected official or somebody in real power um, would be able to know them. But I, I think nobody knows them. I think that's the biggest problem. You know, I don't, I, I, and I, you know. Yeah, let me, let me look this up real quick because there's actually, there's an interesting case study on this. Um, in Camden, New Jersey, they did significant police reform. So, yeah, the Camden, New Jersey, uh, here, where are the stats? When was this reform? Is it recent or? Seven years ago. Seven? I believe. Uh yeah, so the, it it disbanded its police department seven years ago, mm -hmm. and basically built it, rebuilt it from the ground up. Um, and I was reading, I forget where I was reading it. Um, I'm not going to try to pull it directly from this article while we're live here. But um, anyway, like some of the things that they did when new cops were hired, there was a, one extensive training on. Um, you know, how to properly operate without violence Two, they would have to go door to door and actually introduce themselves to people in the community. So like you're, you're, you're now becoming a, a recognizable and a nameable face in the community as a, as a, as a law enforcement officer. Um, and the emphasis was really based around um, building up the community as opposed to policing it, you know, with, with uh, restrictions and punishment. Like you, like you were saying earlier, and they saw a significant decrease in the crime rate where previously it had been completely crime ridden. Um, you, you know, definitely, I would definitely encourage anyone to go look up the stats. It's definitely an interesting case study. 
Um, but to your point, you know, there's, there's gotta be, there has to be some level of radical change, but around what? I mean, if we abolish the police completely, if there's just no law enforcement, we run the risk of things turning out like Capitol Hill in Seattle, where it turns into an almost an, an anarchy state. But there, there's a right way to do it. And if you look at the Camden, New Jersey example, I, I feel like that's definitely a solid example of how to do it right. If you're, if you're looking to overall, I mean, what's the goal of the police? is to, to, to protect and serve is, is really what the underlying goal should be. And if, if your crime rate is really low, I'd consider that to be a really solid job. I don't know if it was by law enforcement that was the direct contribution, but you're basically running a, a more ideal society because of it, because of, because of these radical changes. Yeah, so I think, you know, when, when we have these, these these discussions, it's like there's so many, you know, so many people are being triggered because uh, there there's so much misunderstanding and assumptions being built into every little layer of this whole movement or, you know, this issue. You know, like, for instance, like uh, disband the police or abolish the police. Like, I don't know if the majority of BLM people are meaning that in a literal sense. I think the majority of the people are talking about reform and you can have uh, the destruction of police and reform at the same time. It doesn't mean like destruction of the police as we know it. You know, if, if, right. if it's really systemic racism, then you would have to blow this whole shit up and then like rebuild it, right? So, you know, the argument for blowing it up, like I'm sure there's a, a minority of people in, on the BLM side saying like straight up, let's just do anarchy. And I think um, I would I would assume that there's like, people that don't have the BLM's interest at heart saying that more than anything, because like, you know, you hear about these things during the looting and all that stuff that there were agent provocateurs, like sort of inciting violence and inciting yeah. a rioting. And so um, there's just so much weird shit going on, you know what I'm saying? But I, I want to just, I had a conversation with, you know, believe it or not, like some people that are like, I like close to me, I work with whatever. And, um, we had a conversation about it because you know the the you know one was saying all lives matter and i was like do you know what that means like i know what it means to me and i know that i care about people and i do believe that all lives do matter and i'm like so i can't blame this person for having that thought because uh, and this is a mixed race conversation like there were people of various races and and ethnicities and whatever but um the main thing is that there's a lot of assuming when someone says um a cab you know what i mean it's just like i get that some people really believe in that like all cops are bad you know what i mean so it's like i i i get that there's a certain portion of people that do believe that straight up but then at the same time it's like i think it's more about what does it, what does the rest really mean by that and so like when it comes to the abolish the police they're talking about systemic reform when they talk about a cab they're talking about how difficult this fucking job is you know what i mean and it's it's sure. like I think for, and then when it comes to all lives matter, just to clarify, put it out on the table is like, yes, all lives do matter, but that's not, but in the context of black lives matter, all lives matter is a reactive phrase that was created after black lives matter was created, right? It's inherently minimizing black lives matter. So black lives matter, all it's, all it's saying is that, yes, all lives matter, but it, right now it doesn't feel like black lives matter. And right now, as in, because this, there's a series of events that happened that just like 
broke the camel's back. We're talking about mm-hmm. 400 years of oppression, segregation, uh, Jim Crow laws, red, redlining, all this stuff. So, yes, it, all lives matter. You're not saying all lives matter. When you say all lives matter, you're saying that black lives don't matter because it, it, it's counterintuitive. But, you know, there's context behind everything. You know, I had a, I had a friend mm-hmm. growing up and he was like he was just like a guy from Korea. First time in America. I'm talking like middle school. And, you know, I grew up not in the best area. So I'm very familiar with pre- police brutality in general. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it exists. Um, but this guy, I was trying to be the homie because like, oh, he's another yellow dude. Dope. Like, I have not seen you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's kick it. I'll help you out. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, if you need backup, I got you. And he would. He, he learned everything through TV and video games, right? So we were, we're, we're just playing a game, like basketball or whatever, and he called someone a boy. He's like, that's right, boy. Yeah, go get my ball, boy. That's what he said, right? Just general. To him, it's just shit talking. Cool, I'm vibing with the Americans. This is really cool. He didn't understand that there's context to that and that there's, there's like decades of oppression when you say that word boy, especially someone of color, particularly a black person. You know what I'm saying? So – I had to like break it down and be like, bro, I get what you're saying. And it's fun. Like when you say it to other Koreans, it's like, what's up boy? Like we know what it means, but when, but there's, there's invisible context that you don't know. Right. And so I saw the same thing when people say all lives matter, I want to sit them down and ask them like, do you know the context? And if it's no, it's like, okay, perfect opportunity to educate. If they do know the context, okay, I know for sure you're a racist motherfucker. Right. You really do believe that, uh, what is then all lives matter doesn't really mean anything to you. Black lives matter isn't a movement to make black lives more important than every other life. Black lives matter is that they want to, they want to seat at the table. So it's like, what the fuck are y'all tripping about? You know what I mean? It's like, it's so annoying because people don't really know what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's interesting that you said that. I don't know. Did any of you guys see that, uh, that thing that Michael Shea did, the comedian, he did a he did a bit on Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Where where he basically mm-hmm. said anybody who doesn't believe in Black Lives Matter, are you saying that Black Lives don't matter? And if you put it into that context, where you say, wait, if you don't support Black Lives Matter, then you're saying that Black Lives don't matter, right? And and that's and that's kind of the the way you're like. And he goes, all we want to do is matter. We're not asking for anything else. We just want to matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it's 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 making the the movement funny. Uh, and comical, but it's also opening up the eyes where you're just like, like you were saying, it's like, you, we all want to say all lives matter. Everybody who believes in Black Lives Matter, I believe, feel that all lives matter, right? Um, and, you know, and when you, if you make it so specific where you're like, no, Black, like, Black lives are supposed to be greater than, um, and that's not what they're, that's not that's what they're not, asking, yeah. and that's yeah. not what they're No, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a really good way to put it. Um, like, I, I, I didn't really think of it that way before, but it, it's definitely a good argument. Um, the one that really stuck with me was if I'm a lifeguard and I got a pool full of people and one person's drowning, I jump in and I go and save that person. Does that mean the other people swimming that they don't matter? No, but they're not drowning. You know, that, that person's drowning. So I'm going to go help them. I'm going to go fight for them. But that doesn't mean that the other people in the pool don't matter. If they were drowning, yeah, I'd go save them too. Yeah, no, I, that's... It, it's it's exactly the same thing with I, I another one I I heard someone say was like, um, hey, 
hey, we got to go put out this fire. There's a, my neighbor's fucking, his house is on yeah. fire. Like, we got to put this out. Yeah. And then his roommate goes and is like, I mean, we're, we're living in a house. Our lives, our house is important. Like, why do you, why do we what have about to? about my house? Yeah, what about my house? Like, all houses matter, dude. He's like, no, okay, I know, but it's not on fire, though. Like, the house next door is on fire. Like, we should all work together. To at least get the fire out. You know what I'm saying? He's like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. It's like, first of all, all of our houses are worth saving. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't need to be saved right now. Like, you guys are good. So it's like, it's the same thing with COVID. It's like, well, all viruses matter, bro. It's like, why are you caring about this COVID thing so much? Like, all, all viruses matter. Like, we should all be careful about all viruses. It's like, uh, no, that's not, you know what I'm saying? Ebola is not an issue no more, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like for all of us to survive, we have to prioritize things that are like, like really important right now. You know what I'm saying? And the reality is it's not, this is not a right now thing. This is a 400 year thing. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, for sure, like from my experience, like here's, here's one thing I just, you know, I was waiting for this, for this podcast to just speak on it, but like, I'm not, no one person can represent a whole group of people. You know what I mean? A president, you know, there's a lot of people in the U S right now said that one guy doesn't represent me. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's even crazier to say like, I represent Asians, but I'll tell you what, like within the context, context of this, I've been hearing so much weird shit from Asians because Asians are people of color. They're a minority. They're underrepresented a lot of different things, you know, get yourself out of Bay area, but like they're, they're underrepresented a lot of areas. Right. And they're like, I feel you. I've been oppressed. I felt racism. It's like, Bitch, no, you didn't. Like, like racism relative to certain groups, yeah, but not to the black community, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta think about, you know, there's this, there's this idea of a, a model minority, and that's that's literally Asians. You know what I mean? Like that that term was created because America needed something done, and then they improved. They created a fast lane for Asians to come in. If you're highly educated, if you're the CEO of a company and you wanted to be able to build offices in the U.S., you know, if you look at naturalization papers and visas, they said if you employ a certain amount of people that you will get fast tracked to becoming a citizen, right? So it's like Asians have been brought in like this. You know, there's a reason why during the L.A. riots, most of the business owners were Korean. Like there is a community of people that support each other in an economic way that is systematic, whether it's a culture thing or whether it's a policy thing. But when you talk about black lives that started in America, they were brought for one purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So th there's a there's a whole system of of a deficit in the like the social field for certain groups of people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Asians are not immune. Like don't feel like you're on the same level. Feel like you feel for them and support them, but don't pretend like, oh, during COVID, Asians were being attacked. It's like Okay, during COVID, right? What about post 9-11? What about anyone that looked brown post 9-11? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't compare. And then, uh, but it's just, it's just mind boggling to me, you know? Yeah, so interesting stat, like to your point. So I'm looking at a chart right now. American slavery, so slavery in this country went from 1526 to 1865 when it was abolished. Then between 1865 and... 1954 so 89 years there was segregation and then civil rights the civil rights movement happened 1954 on is the time we're in right now so if you think about it there's this massive so 339 years of slavery 89 years of segregation and the the segment that we're in right now is the shortest amount of time out of all of those so yeah, 
don't we can't act like it's not deeply rooted like there's not a problem deeply rooted in the system that that's taken you know that's been that's been built essentially since 1526 yeah absolutely uh, um and like it's weird it's not it's it's just people of color it's right now it's whites against everyone right now but that's not reality like everyone has their own set of privileges you know i'm talking everyone you know what i mean and you know i'll give an example like i grew up skating and you know I, it's pretty common to see people kicking kids off their property for skating whether it's at a bank or if it, whatever grocery store personal property whatever and i was associated with that and like i got fucked up by cops all the time you know unnecessarily like i just thought this was an immense like abuse of their power whatever and i grew up hating cops because every interaction i had with a cop was uh what are you doing here why are you here like oh take i gotta take that board you know blah 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 and then they also are allowed to lie to you just so they can like get information out of you or whatever it's just like how is that lawful you know what i'm saying and so i had for me i've always understood that there is a there's a line that gets crossed all the time and they're not held accountable uh it's it's a problem then there's the racist side of it and you know it's it's interesting because we talked about the police and how we respect them like i yeah that was me when i was a kid i respect police you know what i mean like we need police and when people say abolish police i think they also believe that we need them it's just not in the current state you know what i mean but for me i respect them it's a hard ass job it should be as hard to be a cop as it is to be a lawyer or a doctor and they should they should have licenses where if there's malpractice they have the they have the they can get their license revoked they can get sued they can whatever and if you go from uh, if you're a bar certified and you're uh, like you are you did a horrible job and they took that certification from you it's very difficult to go to another state and re get recertified you feel me but cops they can just go to a different jurisdiction and then there's no problem you know what i'm saying so yeah it's just there's like there are systemic things that could be fixed like there solutions we need solutions like i heard someone say uh why do they have to have live rounds in their guns why can't it be rubber bullets we all know that rubber bullets technically can be lethal in certain scenarios right so it's like it's, it's rubber bullets are not non-lethal rounds they're less lethal rounds so like mm -hmm. why why couldn't that be the first like step you know like it can be live rounds on the second half of the mag but then the first three or four could be rubber. Like it's, it, I thought it was a really interesting idea because it, it gives them the power to enforce, but it, it takes away that edge of death. You know what I'm saying? The, so there's, there's a lot of good ideas being floated around. I personally am not an officer. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not, I don't know what kind of conversation or follow-up questions you need for that type of potential solution. But I'm just like, bro, like I, as a, I'm taking race out of it. There's brutality in the police system for sure. And the current state is just, I got pulled. I got, I just remember when I got a Hyundai, right? I got pulled over because I bought it in Nevada. I didn't have plates, you know, there's temporary plates now, right? They didn't give me one, right? So I'm driving around and I'm literally waiting for certain documents to be sent for, so I can register the car, I have all the documents in my car. I, it's everything legal. This is from a dealership. There's just, they pulled me over as they should, but uh, I tell them the whole thing, and then uh, as I'm talking and tell, giving them paperwork, I'm my hands are on the steering wheel, like my keys are on the dash, like there's no problem. There's two dudes, one on my left, one on my right. I'm giving them paperwork, and then they're like uh, cutting me off and being like, "Don't ever listen to a dealer. We're cops. We should know the law." And it's like, "No, you you're not informed. Like, literally, look at this legal document 
that this dealership deals with this all the time and you're telling me I'm wrong, the dealer's wrong, the DMV is wrong, Nevada DMV is wrong. These are actual paperwork for you. And then so he, he didn't apologize. He didn't do none of that. He said, you better get out of here. I'm just like, this is not, this is not, it's so unnecessary, right? But it could easily have gotten really bad. And in particular, if I was a, if I was a black dude and I, and I said like, yo, what, what's up? Like, why is this an issue? It could have been even worse. So, you know, I'm understanding my privilege, but what, the statement I'm saying is that cops are in a position where they just can get away with it. So why wouldn't they? I, to, I tell people all the time, if I was, you don't want me as a cop because if I had the freedom to just take, take your, seize your shit and then just take it, I probably would. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if I'm coming from a bad background and I'm desperate, like imagine uh, cops like gambling. There's a lot of gambling within um, the ranks. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that are suicidal at the end of the day. It's a challenging job, but when you're inside a challenging situation and there, you have a lot of certain options that are not available to other people, there's going to be a proportion of people that take those options. And it's just like, why is that even a thing? You know? Well, well what's interesting, so you brought up the idea of not being held accountable, right? And, and I don't know how, how accurate this is. I haven't fact-checked it. But uh, basically right now, you know, through looking at systemically, you know, unlawful things that are built into our, our law enforcement system, um, I was just looking at a map and there's currently 35 states that allow police officers to have sexual intercourse with people that they have in their custody. What? Yes. No. Yes. That's a banger. That's a banger. What the now, hell? Now that is one of them, bro. So Are 35 you states. Me? It's legal for a police officer on duty to have sex with the person that they have in custody. Not saying that it's justified. What they're saying is right. that it is not unlawful. So there's yeah. not a law saying that a cop can't do that. You know, it's it's one of this is one of those situations uh, where like what about the law? What about rape? Rape well, it's, yeah, assuming so you have consensual. To prove. This is assuming everything's consensual, right. I'm sure. Saying, yeah, yeah. So that's the problem. Is but then that you you yeah. Who who you you know, if if it we're just gonna we're just gonna paint a picture. If a prostitute gets gets brought in, maybe she's not even a prostitute, it's a woman who gets brought in for charges of possibly soliciting prostitution and then they agree to have sex whether or not it she has consented and then she tries to come like so basically what it was i heard it from a, a uh, from a a report where a latina girl in nevada was raped by two detectives that actually ended up pulling over her and two other gentlemen she was with told the guys to kick rocks, took the girl into custody, raped her, and then dropped her off. And she still had their DNA inside of her, and the cops basically said that it was lawful. And so that's what got me interested in looking into it, was that situation. Um, and then a, a friend of mine uh, posted the map that says that there's 35 current uh, states that have not deemed that unlawful. And so kind of like what you're talking about, where cops are allowed to do these things almost in the ability to make sure that they're protected more than the people that they're protecting. Right. Um, what in the actual fuck, man, yeah, I, that's some bullshit. I don't like, know what to tell you. You I know, it's know one, it's one of those things where it's like, it might not be explicitly forbid against. So it's like, there's room for interpretation and openness. And like, that's, that's exactly like, so it sounds worse than it is, but the reality is it shouldn't even be in that. It should be forbidden. Like, right. It should, it should be, be a non-issue. Like, it the should fuck? be like, like yeah. 
It's like if you they, they have businesses that say, please, you know, hey, we don't encourage people dating. Right. So, yeah, so they, yeah. they try to transfer people if they start to date and all these things. And it's not a rule, like they can't stop you from doing it, but there's something in this case, there should be a law that basically says if they're in your custody, you could refrain yourself from putting your penis inside of them. I think that is pretty easy to make a law. Now, maybe there was never a reason for the law, but I'm doubt that. I think there's definitely been a lot of cases where this should have been a law uh, in these 35 states. But this is a type of change that, you know, and a lot of things that people need to look into where there's, there's, they, they've built these, again, it's the laws that give the police the ability to enforce what they're trying to enforce. If they have interpretation based off of their individual biases uh, and their, their experiences, it ends up, we can be coming weird things like this. Uh, like where Denny's saying, Hey, they told me that I was wrong when like all the documentation is there. So who's wrong? And, and the cop is just trying to pressure you to get you to give something up, yeah, right? Sure. They're trying to win. They're trying to win the game. They're trying to get the points. I don't know if there's cop points. I don't know if someone's sitting there. Like if you ask a cop, and this is something that I, I, I did at one of my old jobs, where if you ask a cop, you said, hey, how do you know you do a good job? Where's the, where's the meter? Where's the qualifier? Right? Who so? Is there like a a a grade sheet? You know, a, a report card that says, "Hey, you did a good job." And what is it? And what are those metrics? And I, I guarantee you, it's very hard for a cop to know that they're doing a good job because their metrics are arrests. Their metrics are how many tickets they write. Their metrics are how many hours they worked. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's some it's it's uh. Um... Damn, I was going to say, it was just like, I, it's one of those things where like, you know, when we, we have an election going on right now, guys, you know what I mean? Like, uh, November, fuck, uh, there were some primary votes recently, you know what I mean? But, you know, there's a reason why when you see candidates running for office and they're trying to inspire and get people on their side, there are certain topics they don't touch because people don't care about it. You know what I mean? If you talk about police reform before, like if you were six months ago and then you're, you're when uh, Bernie and all, and all these people are talking about. Uh, oh yeah, economic policy, uh, climate change, uh, foreign affairs. It's you go down three hands, and then maybe police reform or something like that, right? So it's like it's because the police unions are super strong. You know, even at the local jurisdiction, it's gonna be very difficult for reform. Like there's there's there. It's not a popular issue like now it is, thankfully. But it's like it's it's interesting because I was like, I'll give them credit. They, they body cams weren't a thing when I was coming up. You know what I mean? But like in situations like Vegas and all that stuff after the shooting, there are instances where people are turning off body cams for some, I, like there, there are people getting caught on body cam for doing all this stuff. It's just like, um, there's still something wrong. It didn't fix it. You would think that accountability would be there when there's an extra eye, but like when you could physically turn it off whenever you want, or you can like mess with it, or you have the footage and nothing's really being done. Like, that's crazy. Like one, one basic question I have is like, whether it's a politician or, uh, or an officer or someone on, on a board, they're accused of doing something really bad and like, okay, they're going to resign now. It's like, what happened to the legal accountability? You know what I mean? It's like, this person was responsible for the death of whatever. They're resigned now, but then they can go to another jurisdiction and get another job, no problem. And they're not going to be held accountable in the court of law. I know there are laws in place that says, historically, if cops didn't get in trouble for X, in the future, they can't get in trouble for that same thing it, to be consistent. You know what I mean? But it's just like, 
it there's something systemically wrong about that there's there it just doesn't make sense you know what i mean right right well i think we all agree that there are some problems that yeah so let's, definitely definitely let's, you've just been ranting about no i feel, I feel <laughs> yeah. my whole thing is this there's a lot of reasons why some people look at certain things at a surface level and being like, oh, I don't agree with that. I, all Lives Matter does make more sense to me. If I literally go by the words, it's like, man, fuck, this is, a, this is the exact same mentality that gets people to vote for something that, they, that will hurt them. You know, Prop 237, save the trees. You know what I mean? Like, but it's like, it's something completely different. Or like, pro, stop, yeah. higher rental in uh, whatever. It's like, bro, look at like, just because you're ignorant does not mean that you get a like a get out of jail free card you know what i mean so a statement i said was this oh i mean i you know i it just makes sense like i didn't look, really look into it but like you know i don't i don't, I really don't have friends that are in the community or activists like i just don't want to get into the wrong information versus the right information it's like uh i think you could i think adults can figure out what's good and bad information you know what i mean it's called research like there's usually numbers backing certain things up it's just like the reason racism is ignorance point blank so if you're using ignorance or naivety if it's if it's willful naivety is ignorance right so it's like if, if you're using that as a reason why you can't speak on a particular topic like this it's like that that mean you're playing into the game right there like you are in and of itself a walking like like stereotype right now you know what i mean like you can't be informed yes a cab doesn't mean all of them are bad but there's really saying a statement on the system how the the you the second you put on that badge you're inclined to protect each other that you have powers that other people don't it's like there's this guy in san jose the un guy or whatever that was like like stoked to to shoot somebody you know what i mean it's like that dude is a dude who got bullied his whole life and then became a cop just to bully other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, this is some bullshit. I think I think that's a that's a really interesting topic, and it might be a good transition to how can we be prepared? How can we how can yeah. we get into the mind state of of sort of diffusing that? I feel because um, like I'm getting heated, so I need to like chill out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wow. I'm having flashbacks wow. of when I got fucking beat the fuck up by cops. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. I, I it's it's fucking I'm trying well, listen, to you know last last thing I will say about about this topic though is that it's voting is is we are coming up on an election my advice to everybody get your uh not don't just get information on the main candidate uh main candidates main elections that are going on uh look look into the actual uh laws that are being voted on um you know a lot of a lot of areas will provide that pre-ballot information packet. Take your time and go through it. Make sure you get it. Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure yeah. you know where your voting station is going to be, and make sure you know what day you're actually supposed to go and vote, and then the hours of of operation for that voting station. Because a lot of people they wait until the last minute to look that up, and then you know, sure enough, they missed it. If you live yep. in an area that that can uh, that supports mail-in ballots i recommend it uh, especially as we're battling COVID, and we'll probably continue to do so but i mean if you're if you're mad as hell about the systemic issues in this country your vote is what's going to change it research hey, I, research it and vote 
100%. And it's, it's the local level. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the, you can do it at the national level, which is people think that's like the minimum. No, the minimum is the local. Like, shit that affects you, yeah. right? So it's like, do it at the local level. Like, I'll put it this way. First of all, great idea. Like, ended on a re- recommendation. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'll tell you what. I grew up in a, in a not so great environment. I grew up with people that were, that are the victims of racism and, uh, and and me too you know what i mean i'm still a colored person you know what i'm saying um uh do i do i live in a family of of uh impoverished like people it's like I, my parents immigrated here with nothing you know what i'm saying so like yeah i am i do associate a lot with uh socioeconomically like challenged areas you feel me trying to be pc up in this bitch you feel me but i'll tell you what these are the exact same people that should be voting, but these are the exact same people that are taught that their vote doesn't matter because they can't be heard. You know what I mean? And I, in my entire life, I never voted because I felt that exact same way. I was never involved in politics or even being informed because I felt like I couldn't make a difference because, you know, uh, I, Obama was the first guy to inspire me. And then I see like he's, he's got one of the most like body counts with drone strikes. Same time he's getting a Nobel Prize. It's like there is hypocrisy in everything, right? And then nowhere am I going to say, like really listen to the facts. Like people are going to get triggered by just me saying that. But it's like, listen to the facts of what's happened, administration or administration. Obama wasn't, was, no one's perfect, okay? And I'm BLM as fuck, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just for this whole movement. But you know what's good about what happened recently is that you do start seeing about news in um, uh, like all these states talking about reforming their way of, of reforming, right? And it's like, wow, these protests really made a difference. So the reality is it does make a difference. The reality is I'm inspired to vote at my local level. You know what I'm saying? I As much as what I feel about this two-party system and how that's flawed and I have all this shit, but there are things that we can pass right now, like that are on the ballot right now or was or will be. And it's important for us to be informed and do something about it. Cause I am inspired by all this because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we need to do, do something about it. And we, we vote with our vote and we vote with our dollars. And then there's, we can actually do something. And so this whole thing, as much as I'm pissed, it's so cool to see like, Daniel, you, you walk in on the streets for this shit. This is fucking dope. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm really inspired and it's cool to see the change. It's, it's unfortunate to hear about our mayor of Fremont. You know what I mean? Like what mm-hmm. is up with that shit? But it's just like, it's, it's, it's really cool. So like, I, this is a really cool recommendation. It's something we, we should all adopt. Don't be like me. I, I have a lot of advice because I learned through all my mistakes. I've, I've been <laughs> all sides of the fucking thing. You know what I mean? I was a high school dropout to a college graduate. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. So my whole thing is just, this is, this is inspiring. Hope you guys are inspired by this situation. Like, like it's really important for us to do something about it. It's so easy to sit back and, you know, post a black image on our IG or whatever, but it's like, have an opinion, have an earned opinion, read up on some shit, pick holes on your own side too. There is no right and wrong. There is more right and more wrong. So it was like, there is issues with all of both sides, but one side's for sure justified. You know what I'm saying? We talk about that when uh, Trump wanted a, a, a photo op in front of that church and they tear gas people that are just super like, what is going on with that? So, okay, damn, well, I'm, getting, I'm getting reheated up in here. All right, Woo! all right, simmer down, simmer down. <laughs> anyone, anyone that, if I, if I hear anyone say, oh, but my vote doesn't count, the the one thing that everyone needs to look at right now is what's happening in this country with these protests. Because if, if one person goes out and protests, 
nothing's really going to get noticed. But when we, we all as individuals come together and collectively go out and protest, I mean, shit gets fired up. That's the, it's the same deal with voting. Let's talk about some other solutions, though, um, starting with how police can be trained better. We forgot to totally mention jujitsu, which is like such a such a it is an answer in a lot of these situations. You know, like Ed, so you talked about uh, I read that too. Minneapolis is uh, the PD. They're going to say they're going to ban choking. Right. Me right. personally, I think is because um, and you, you agree to it or disagreed. What was that? So, so I agree with the current knowledge base that the police have about the nuances of the different types of chokes and how to apply them and understanding the mechanics of how they affect, uh, you know, the, the body biologically. Um, so that's, that's the reason why. So I, I disagree with removing it because I believe it's such an effective way to stop a situation. Um, but as you, like I was saying, like, you know, I, I, I want to always get his name right, but I think it's Eric Gardner um, mm-hmm. was killed by a, a police officer by uh, doing a, a, a trachea crush from the back, right? So he, he had a rear naked choke on him, but he didn't have it sunk in so that the pressure's on the side of the neck of the carotid. He had it across the trachea, crushed the gentleman's windpipe, and he died. Uh, again, so that's from a lack of understanding how to apply a choke properly. We know that if we were teaching a class and somebody was choking somebody, short choking somebody, or trachea crush somebody, we would we would advise that one, the person who's getting choked, tap out very quickly because you could damage yourself. And two, if you don't tap out, and then two, the person who's doing it, we would say, hey man, respect your training partners, understand the lethality and the, the damage that this particular move can do, right? You, you see it a lot in, in guillotine chokes, right? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Right, go ahead. sorry. And, and then you have currently right now with, with uh, George Floyd where the idea is that possibly the, the death or the, the damage done to him physically was definitely coming from that knee on the side of his neck. I think Dan Camarillo covered it very well in his video where nobody has been talking about the, the fact that this gentleman's one side is, is being blocked. So you're talking about only getting half the amount of oxygen to your brain, not including the fact that the other side of his neck is being pressed up against the ground, which then could also limit the flow, which could have been a huge part of the cause of death. Uh, to this gentleman. And so again, this, and the, and the cop is sitting there with his hands in his pocket, right? So he, he's, he knows he's punishing this person, but, and granted, I can't know his intent or what he wanted this one. He wanted to happen. All I know is that it looks to me that this gentleman wanted to punish another person. And that punishment uh, was to hurt him and put him in an uncomfortable position. Unfortunately, that un- uncomfortable position killed this man. And if, Chauvin, I always forget his name too. I'm horrible with names. I apologize. Would have been educated and understanding putting pressure on a carotid artery, how that affects the body. Um, and same thing with the gentleman who killed Eric Gardner. If you would understand how a trachea crush affects the body and would be training jujitsu, I believe it, these would have been great because choking an individual stops altercations. We know that if you and I, Denny, if we're going to get into a fight, especially with somebody bigger, stronger, or more aggressive than us, we would probably choke them first, then try to break their arm with an arm bar and it would diffuse the situation. Okay. Yeah. Maybe like you said, you said you got into fights where you're like, I'm not going to throw a punch, but I'm going to win this fight. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> if, if, and you, and you were friends with these people. So yeah. 
and we know that, you know, we've had people get choked out in class. You can get choked out, wake up, laugh, slap hands with a dude and go another round. Okay. So we know that if you apply a choke correctly and effectively, you can stop a situation from happening. The person goes limp and if, and then you can call the police or you can, you know, restrain him, whatever, or her, you know, uh, in case she's maybe you no know, dangerous to her own self. Uh, and you can do a lot of different things in that manner. So I believe that outlawing the chokehold currently right now in this, in this scope, it makes total sense because you can't say, yeah, you can keep doing it. And these idiots, I'm going to say idiots, even though I don't know all the cops in Minneapolis, these <laughs> people, um, they, they don't know what they're doing. And so that's why you got to remove that tool. And this kind of goes into what we were talking about, what we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, again, yeah. I, I believe that knowledge and, and education in, in the chokehold would make choking beneficial and not a thing that should be outlawed. So yeah, that's two, two cents. Hundred percent. Like it, 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 it. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why it's utilized in the first place. You know what I'm saying? It's like it was taught to them, and it's most likely taught to them by a jiu-jitsu person or Krav Maga or whatever that's got exposed to grappling. Right. So it's a, a rear naked choke. And the purpose of a rear naked choke, you know, you've seen they're called sleeper holds in WWE and all that. The purpose of a rear naked choke is to cut off the carotid artery, which reduces the oxygen to the brain, forcing someone to go unconscious. Right. The, making someone like protecting yourself or preventing this person from harming themselves when it comes to someone that's someone bigger than you and you're trying to control them. This is the answer. This really is the answer. And, um, uh, but the problem is there's, it's an answer when it's the, when it's used correctly. Right. And this goes to your point. And so it's like, I understand them banning it because first of all, there's optics. There's, it doesn't, it doesn't like, it doesn't win the hearts and minds of the people that are under the jurisdiction of that police station or police department. And so I totally get it why they did that. But the reason why they had to do that is because they have a lack of training. Right. And this could be something else that is part of that reform is like, you know, Andrew Yang, one of the things that when he was running, he said, every law enforcement officer needs to be at least a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Right. And it's like, and this, and just so you know, if that ever becomes a law, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to teach jiu-jitsu full-time. For real. We about I to would be, love to do that. that I mean, that's oh, yeah. good. You're doing a good thing for society. That's what I <laughs> Get this nope. stat, though. Did you know that uh, mo so most police departments only train about two times a year, averaging less than 15 hours annually currently? Bro, bro even their firearms training is, hor is not like what you would expect it to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On average, 23 times a year for firearm training so like twice and, a month is what they average and, but like and that could be like different types of firearms you know they have door breaching equipment they have shotguns they have ar style you know weapon yeah. systems and well let, let me ask this though like while while i understand and i completely i fully respect the need for safe firearm operation the fact that they're training more on firearms than you are in proper um properly just diffusing a situation you know when jujitsu could be a perfect way to do that yeah i think is is completely ass backwards well it, um so so i'm gonna i'm gonna I, i've trained with multiple cops yeah right i've trained mm -hmm. with multiple cops and the number one thing that they're talked that when they talk about in the academy is is weapon protection right and so the cops that i used to train with who i used to enjoy when I was in my twenties, choking them out, 
uh, and having their cap and being like, oh, I could beat up cops. That's so cool, right? Uh, but realistically, the idea was that they, their whole point was to protect their gun and make sure that gun, because they know that they're carrying the most lethal weapon around in their, in, mm -hmm. right there on their hip. The whole point was if they're close enough to throw hands or grapple with somebody, they've probably already made a mistake and that their gun is in danger of getting taken from them and can cause more problems. Yeah, like, so, yeah. So, but yeah, so that's what I mean by so, but I, I agree that it's weird. It's, it's, it, it seems ass backwards to say that they're trained to use the gun more than they're trained to use their hands or their bodies. And then they go, but then I understand the mentality of protecting the gun protection should be their number one cause. Cause that is the most dangerous thing. So then you talk about, well, do you disarm police officers? I, I don't know. I don't, again, I, like we were talking about earlier, I don't know. I'm not a police commissioner. I don't, I don't claim to know answers. I'm just trying to run I, scenarios through my head. And then we go back to the idea where I go, well, like Daniel Yang, Daniel Yang, right? Is Daniel Yang? Andrew, just, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. I always say Yang. I wish uh, I shared your name with Yang. Yang, 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 Yang. Yang, Yang. <laughs> and talking about the idea of, of them training jujitsu. And I go, if we only have so much time and resources, how can a person who, I mean, being a cop is hard as fuck. It's yeah. not a job I want to do. And it's not a job that is easy for anybody. And for them to go and work eight hours or whatever, however long they, their shifts are, let's just say they're eight hours, and then go and train on the mat, like they're probably wasted. Their brains are there. But maybe for their own protection, they want to train jujitsu. Maybe for their own protection, they want to get better at marksmanship or gun management or whatever the heck it may be. Um, and I think it's just a lot. I think it's a lot. It's a lot. Any, any public service uh, job, out there is underpaid, underappreciated, and and they they themselves have to make self sacrifice to do yeah. better at what they do. Oh, but I work in, I work in biotech, and I am privileged motherfucker to do so because I don't have to worry about going home or being off. I get to unplug myself from my job and go and do something that I love, like jujitsu, play video games, or sit on podcasts with you idiots yeah. and have a good time. You know what I mean? Okay, so. First but of yeah. all, I'm smart, bro. I'm a smarty. You know what I'm saying? I got you. All right, well, no, no, no. I was uninvited to the next one. <laughs> I know. No, no. I'm getting uninvited. No. <laughs> as far as the choke, I just want to finish. Like, the choke is necessary. It's very important. Like, uh, to give any type of, you know, that stat that you read, like, here's the, here's the issue with a lot of this stuff is, like, we're not there. And we, like, sometimes there's a very easy answer to something that doesn't make sense to someone that's on the outside, right? So I'm always, like, making sure I keep that in mind. So, like, here's the reality of how I feel about uh, police enforcement, being an officer today. It's a fucking hard job that um, it's weird how they, like, uh, attract people through benefits and income when it should be about, like, justice. You know what I mean? So there's some weird stuff. But at the end of the day, like, you know, for uh, I'll tell everyone about jiu-jitsu is, like, when it comes to self-defense and having the confidence to know, like, okay, someone bigger. So jiu-jitsu will give you the ability to take down someone bigger, stronger than you right but to make reach that level of proficiency i'd say it takes about a year of like training consistently okay like you don't necessarily have to be a blue belt but like within three strides whatever assuming that range that's plenty to give yourself a little bit more confidence and be effective like say in a police situation but here's the thing being an officer is extremely difficult 
being an officer, like, like you said, they're, they're under, like, I don't know about underpaid. I saw that Yuan guy in San Jose getting paid like 200 grand a year. That's fat. That's nice. You know what I mean? But they're overworked and they're in a situation where they can't trust a single person that there's, they've stopped or they're looking at. They've, it's built into them that there is a, there's a divide between the person like, um, uh, enforcing the law and person breaking the law. Like they have to be, you know how many people lie to them on a daily basis over years and years and years and years. And, um, there are times when the sh- protecting your own does save you from people falsely accusing you of something or having some, uh, they, you know, whatever. So it's extremely difficult. So I can't blame an officer when their shift is done. They just want to go home, have a beer. Uh, you know, I don't know, like look up, look up stuff to buy or I don't know, like, you know, just regular stuff. So for them to be able to get the proficiency that we would want, it would take a lot of work. Now, there might be situations in a reform where you are allowed to, you are allotted paid time to go train, but that, that's not on the table right now. You know what I'm saying? So I, coming from my past experience to what it is now, it's more complicated, like I said, at the very beginning of that, that podcast. But at the same time, like, it's a fucking hard job. And there's a lot of good people doing it. But I, in my opinion, the job is so difficult. Like, I know a lot of guys that when they're not on duty, like, I've only met them when they're not on duty and then they're amazing guys. If you do jujitsu, you're going to meet a ton of uh, veterans. You're going to meet a lot of law enforcement. You're going to all that stuff. Right. Cause they know more than anyone, how important jujitsu is, but they're great guys. But when, if you were on the other end and this person stopped you for, because you're acting crazy or suspicious and they're going to treat you the way they should treat you. It's like, okay, I get it because you don't know me. You don't know these cars are super tinted. You have no idea. There's three dudes in the back ready to take you out. You know what I mean? So um, there's a lot of problems, but this is why I think that it's, it's, it's like some people say not, there are a few bad cops, you know, it's, it's doesn't make the whole thing bad. It's like, I'm a big believer that this, the, the job itself is not, I wouldn't say corrupting. It's, I don't mean it that way, but it's so, it's so overwhelming that it will change that person. You know what I mean? Just like a, yeah. a doctor would not care if you cut your knee. He really does. He won't care. He'd be like, okay, this is what we do next. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm sure. A, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it gives you a, a different view of the world, you know? Absolutely. Um, but in an effort to, to think about, you know, solutions at this point, so I'm looking at a stat here. Police Academy uh, typically 880 hours is required, 22 weeks-ish. I'm wondering if that should be part of initial training. Like a big part is, is becoming proficient in some sort of grappling. You know, jiu-jitsu obviously is, it, to me, is the obvious answer. But, you know, at least making it more of a focus of that foundational knowledge of becoming a police officer as opposed to trying to supplement it after the fact. You know, absolutely. I think um, I think we would all agree, whether you do just a little bit or a lot, there's, there's a martial art called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that will almost be perfect fit for someone as a, it's a perfect fit for this thing called law enforcement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, that if you're is, in the Bay Area, you should come, come yeah. train at, at BAM. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I got bullied. I got beat up a lot. There, I always felt helpless. Like, and then I found out not only will this give me the tools to protect myself, but, but protect myself against people that are bigger, stronger than me. That sounds like mm-hmm. too good to be true. You know what I mean? But if you're dedicated, you can develop that level of proficiency. Now I do believe 
that jujitsu is almost a perfect fit for police, right? But I also understand that it's really difficult. You know, there's other, com there's compliance training, there's harassment training that they have to go through. Like, it, it might, some people might say it's not good enough or whatever. I don't know. But there's so many different things that take up becoming a police officer, physical training and all this other stuff that like, it is difficult for them, but I'm just, but from a citizen perspective, a non-law enforcement is like, we do, we should demand that out of them. You know what I mean? Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But like, just like yeah. a doctor, like you're an amazing physician, but I would like it for no one, no physician to kill someone during surgery. You know what I'm saying? Whether, you know, even it's purely accident or a, a pre-existing condition, but just sure. because it's not possible doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking for looking or wanting that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to, to a point that, that Etzel made earlier. So the, the main priority for a cop when in an altercation is going to be to protect their firearm. Yeah. Um, but there are going to be situations where there's a, there are close encounters. Like let's say there's resisting of arrest and you're going to arrest somebody and they, they turn on you. Like you're already, you've engaged them. You're already in close contact at that point. Ha being comfortable in grappling with somebody that's bigger and stronger than you and understanding the mechanics of how their body moves, how to effectively, but also non-lethally bring them to submission is where I think jujitsu would have the biggest impact. Mm -hmm in in those situations because if you look i mean if you look at it a lot of the situations where you see police brutality come to uh you know end up killing somebody is in those close encounters where they feel like there's you know resisting of arrest or something like that i mean granted there are edge cases george floyd i don't think was resisting arrest um but there are other cases that are and i feel like instead of resorting to, you know, let me, let me apply the most pressure to a spot that I know is going to, um, you know, bring, bring this person down and, but possibly kill them, you know, understanding how to do that differently, mm -hmm. I think is where jujitsu really comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one is here's, here's the amazing thing about jujitsu is that once you're proficient, you can choose how you control the situation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's a that's like a major mental banger for me because it was like at the end of the day, if you're scared, like you'll do whatever it takes to like protect yourself or whatever, right? But when you're proficient in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, when you're scared, you have options, right? So it's like 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 you said, it's always like, you know, when I was when I was, you know, trying to get by and I was fighting for money or whatever, just like, you know, backyard barbecue bets or whatever, it's just like a little like party trick that I would do is I'll just fight people just to get a, a few bucks in my pocket. And like, I gave them the choice because I had so much confidence because I've, I, I was, I've been in so many different situations. Like I've been there, I've done that. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, having that power to giving that power to law enforcement, they're going to definitely benefit from that. But the, I'm, I, when it comes to realistic expectation, it's like you, it's, I think most of these people learn these chokes through seminars or workshops that last maybe a weekend or two and then they're now allowed to use it moving forward the problem is they need con con like 
like continuous training you know what i mean and it's like when they're six months apart or or even four months apart i mean edsel and i we're we're used to making it three four times a week you know so it's like it's it's a it's a stark contrast to what is needed to be proficient to what they're what they're currently doing you know what i mean i'm not saying that it's impossible i just don't know why it's what like that stat you just said why is it only twice or three times a year that the i don't know why i don't know why i can't criticize them for that but as of right now when i read that i'm like yeah they should probably get time they should get paid time to train and i think a lot of people would agree with that well that's that's also the thing too like maybe there's also financial implications too like are is there enough in the budget to support it but yeah again this is this is probably why we aren't elected officials but we are people that vote for those elected officials so like it's it's it is important to have these conversations i just hope that like by us talking about a recording not only can i have this conversation with the with the people i respect and listen and i want to listen to but hopefully other people can start to talk to like you know i'm hearing rhetoric where it's like if you don't post anything on social media like you're the problem it's like how about a real conversation because a meme is not going to convince anyone you know what i'm saying so it's like uh, I hope everyone's like, if you yeah. don't want to protest for whatever is like protest in the home, like look at yourself in the mirror. Like I did that. I'm like, yeah, I know very, like I started out in the very beginning. I was like, yo, there's privilege in every level. And if we can't identify that within ourselves, how the fuck are we supposed to, how's anyone supposed to believe any of us if we don't even know where we're at? You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, Plus social just, media yeah. becomes a bit of an echo chamber. Absolutely. Oh my God. With these algorithms, like I, I mm. don't get, all lives matter stuff on my stuff. You know what I mean? Like no, I neither. I wish yeah. it did. I just, so I can understand the other side, but it's just, yeah. I mean, I watch mean, Fox I mean, news. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, like I, I, I consider myself lucky enough to, to have people and friends and, and people from all different uh, belief structures. And so I, completely I, I, I do get, I do get a lot of, uh, you know, I'll just say, you know, like right wing or, or, or conservative views. Um, and if you don't have that, I, I suggest, and this is something because uh, somebody who is a right winger said that they wanted to make friends that were black because they realized, because they looked in the mirror and said, I don't have any black friends, mm. right? I don't have any friends of color. And they wanted to make effort. This is an older lady um, who I'm associated with. And, and she was saying that she's trying to reach out to her area so that she can better understand herself. And, and understand her position and understand other people's position. And I think that um, that's a good way of, of, you know, the people, I think, I forgot who it was. I, I want to say, I think it was a Mark Twain, but I forgot exactly who it was, but basically it was the idea of, he mentioned the idea of travel and how hate, yeah. hatred and, and uneducation goes away with worldly travel. And, mm-hmm. and people think like, Oh, I got to go to, you know, Egypt to understand it. It's like, nah, man, you can go in your backyard and understand it. You can yeah. go to your neighbor. Uh, so many of us don't even know our own neighbors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, that's, that's traveling in itself. And I think that the more you diversify the people <clears throat> around um, and, and you, 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 even better, you disagree with the people that you care and you love and you, and you respect. I feel like you'll gain so much more. You'll learn more about yourself to learn about your environment, your community. Um, and, I, and I, you know, kind of like what, what Daniel was talking about, the idea of going out and voting. I'm not saying you can't believe in what you believe in. I'm saying test that belief, right? Go out and, and test your theories by, by ex- expressing your thoughts and seeing how other people re- react to them. 
hopefully in a very you know calm manner and and i, I mean i was just watching a video where a, a black a young black lady was talking to an older white lady who was wearing a hat with a confederate flag on it and they were talking about the idea of of removing this confederate statue and the black lady was saying to the woman i understand that you're upset I understand why it hurts you that they would remove something that is important to you. And I'm not telling you that you can't be upset. I want to tell you why I'm upset by this statue. And at the end, both the women are crying. They're hugging. They're telling each other they love each other. And they were complete strangers. And now they say, they literally said, I understand your pain. And I think that is a, a, a real big part of, of trying to understand these, these situations and these, these topics that you and I, you know, like we're not, we can't, we don't have the solutions, but uh, I think trying to understand and not be in these echo chambers, like you were saying, Daniel, is key to uh, expanding these ideas and thoughts and, and educating people, uh, not telling people what they have to know, but educating people and allowing them to listen on their own time and how they want to listen. And I think that's, yeah. nobody wants to be told what to do. And, 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 you know, right, like it's hard to allow somebody to tell you that you're wrong. It's hard to allow to say, I'm, a, I'm the more justified person. And then that makes everything that I, you know, if someone says, oh, I'm holier than, I, than thou, then I'm not going to listen to you anymore because I think you're full of shit. But if I believe that that person is my peer and I respect them or they're coming at me from a place of, of, of love and caring, I'm way more open to listen, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's real shit. That story you talked about, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Like, it, it required two people to have a conversation, though. You know what I mean? And, right. like, I respect to both, you know? Like, right. that's what I've been trying to do, just having conversation. And, like, that helps me flesh out my ideas, but also be introduced to new ones. And, like, that's the whole point. Like, when when we do jujitsu, we're we're open-minded. You know what I mean? Like, you have to accept – a lot of times, they're just handing you information or technique, and you test it. And then – so. I I, I, I don't know why, like, this is goes back to what Daniel and I talk about a lot is like martial, being a martial artist, being able to take what you learn on the man, doing it outside. That's my definition of a martial artist. And so it was like, we do it on the mat all the time, but how come people don't do it in like, they can't, they, it's compartmentalized the second they step outside, like new ideas is what keeps us alive. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, that's some real shit right there, dog, you know, and more people need to do jiu-jitsu so they can learn how to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no it's new seriously. ideas you feel no, no seriously it, it, everything really i mean i i hate it because every conversation i get into every <laughs> every complex every emotional battle i mean just dealing with emotions when you're talking to your girlfriend or 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 you know a, a very close relative of mine is going through a divorce and you just learn how to handle obstacles challenges and you learn how to problem solve in such such emotional or explosive um environments that you can just start to think a little bit more clear even when you're emotionally in, you know, invested and I, and I think you know that's you know that's going to be key I believe for police officers to learn I believe everybody should learn jiu-jitsu because of that yeah. I think our our whole world needs more critical thinking uh training and needs more uh maturity in their understanding how to deal with conflict. Uh, and so I don't know, I, I, that's just my opinion. And, uh, you know, I'm biased because I love jujitsu. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I guarantee you in any high level profession, you learn those same skills, but it just seems that in jujitsu, because it's a, it's a mock fight for death, at, you know, and survival, <laughs> um, it puts things in perspective in a different yeah. way. Right. Absolutely. 
Well, if you think about it, that story you told about those two women uh, are talking about the Confederate statue. All it took was an open conversation of understanding. Uh, yeah. But the yeah. way that the way that I see it too with jujitsu, that jujitsu is just a form of conversation with somebody else. You know, you're absolutely you're you're going you're you're basically expressing yourself in a raw primal state. Uh, and learn to 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 hone and sharpen that. And it could be with somebody you completely disagree with outside of the the academy or or outs off the mats or whatever. But during that time on the mat, you're you're having a one-on-one conversation with that person. And there could be emotions involved for sure. Like if somebody walks in to a sparring session and is all pissed off and heated from the day, or you know has a you know there's a target on someone else's back because you know, they were fighting before class or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like if they, if they start sparring and they, they really get into it, that will be diffused by the end of the, the match because it's a conversation. It's a, it's an open understanding conversation with one another. Right. No, yeah. I, I, that's, that's it. Right. And, and uh, I, that's the reason why so many bonds are, and are forged. So many friendships and relationships are forged on the mat. Right, because we 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 build a trust, right? So even though let, I, I'm just gonna say, like I, I I don't know Daniel how you how you feel about these things, but let's say you were a religious zealot, and I'm I'm very non-religious, right? Um, I because we fight on the map, because we go and we battle each other, and when you choke me, I ta- you know, and I tap, you let go. Um, I un- it's there's this weird thing in my mind that clicks, and I say Daniel is a caring, loving person. And even though he believes in a God that I don't believe in and a religion, and I believe that the things that he does are, are, let's say you were, you know, let's just, I'm not even going to bring up religions, but let's say your religion was anti-feminist or uh, was even racist in some ways or prejudiced against certain people. Um, I would say, but, but Daniel's a good guy. And, and I could tell by the way he fights with me. Right. It's weird. It's like, like I can tell by the way he respects me on the mat that there's something good, innately good about him. Maybe all his decisions I don't agree with. Maybe not with all those actions I agree with, but there's something innately that I can respect and I can support. Um, and that, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's no, it's really crazy because it's like, you know, it's a real environment. We're both trying to like win, which implies the other person loses, but you right. can have that thought. And I've had it many times too. And it takes a while to get there, but like um, to understand intention and like th- this person's patient person, like reading the other person. Right. But it's like, what we're really talking about is like in chaos, like if with enough experience, like it's very clear, you know what I mean? Chaos stops being chaos. And like, I see yeah. a lot, I see a huge relationship with what, what we're seeing out there. You know what I mean? And it's just like, whether you're, you're, you're a protester, whether you're, whether you're super into, you know, activism or the other side where he's like, I just want to keep the peace. I want to go home. I want to see my kids. I just want to make sure they have the right to do what they're doing. But if they cross the line where, you know, there's all these competing things, but like jujitsu teaches you, how to get past that craziness and be able to see things more clearly and have that confidence. Right. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how like it, yeah. I just think about that all the time. Like more people need it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. so there was something that you just said though, that, that sparked a thought in my head. So in the midst of having this conversation, you know, you realize, Oh, this person is, 
you know, there's something about them that I, or him or her that I, you know, they are a good person, the, the way that they fight. But at the end of the day, when, when you tap, when you like, let's say someone's got me in a chokehold and I tap, or I have them in a choke and they tap at the end of the day, at that moment, I feel like there's this realization that we're both, we are both human. We're both just human beings. Like at our core, we're the same. Like we're, we're just human beings. The rest of it is, it's just the layers of detail that are, that are adopted or uh, inherited throughout your life. Um, But at, at, at our core, we're both just human beings. And it seems like there's a lot it seems like we've forgotten that and we've, we, we, we've lost our understanding of that, of that basic principle that we're just human beings. And that's something I feel every time I I'm on the mat is like when I'm sparring with somebody, it's like, you know, I could be in a really tough spot. I could be struggling and, and like, you know, cause I'm, I'm a white belt that happens a lot. Um, you know, like in a really tough spot, but by the end of it, I'm just like, I got a smile on my face. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's it's. It, I think what you're talking about, at, at least right now, uh, application to what we're seeing is like civil discourse. Is start like you start to see it. You know what I mean? Like especially with these protests, like they're pointing out that like there is a divide. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny because when I think about these things, I think about the context of jujitsu because this is where I, like I pull the knowledge from. You know, and like I don't know about others, but for me, when I see a white belt, a blue belt, a pro- I don't think of them as like lesser or anything like that like i'm the black belt respect my shit you know i definitely have met people that are like that but like i if anything i'm like damn you made it on the mat that's what's up like a person who's never done jiu-jitsu and they walk on the mat and they i teach them how to tie that belt i'm just they're just so i'm we're on the same literal on the same plane you know what i mean like um and it's just i've just been here a little longer that's all but there's no there's no distinction between me versus you you know it's like yeah i'm the coach but like I, I remember Harold was like, do I call you like sensei or master or coach? It's like, it felt weird for me because I'm like, we're the same. I'm just, I'm just a little bit ahead. So, you know, and I, and I wish that there was more like that just in general, you know what I mean? On either side of BLM or ALM or, uh, or like you're a police officer potentially walking up on someone who's think, uh, broke a crime or, or committed a crime. And I'm just like the civil discourse, I think at the end of the day, when BLM is really looking for that, Right. It's just like I want to be treated equally, not equally to other races, but equally between you and me. And I want as long as we're all treating each other equally, then it's going to be fire. You know what I mean? So um, it's it's really interesting in that way. Like you talked about it, how like you when you train, you struggle. And but it's like I did, too. So I we're on the same plane. Like you're just I just done it a little bit more than you so I could help guide you. You know what I mean? It's just I think more people will learn that if they did something really hard and jujitsu is one of them. And it doesn't only come from jujitsu, of course, but I think anyone who doesn't have a hobby or have been through a challenge, a prolonged intense challenge, like I've been doing jujitsu for 16 years. It's like, it's just like that, that changes a person to sort of realize that like, there is no differences. I've definitely heard people say some racist shit and immediately comes from them versus the other person. You know what I mean? Versus, Oh, you got a gi on. I got a gi on. You know, it's like, oh, you're a human. I'm a human. Like, what does color have to do? With, you know, I've heard the term reverse racism. Like, oh, you're Asian, so you know, you must be good at math. It's like, oh, that's a compliment. Why are you offended? It's like, 
dude, making any statement, whether positive or negative, based on the color of someone's skin, to me is racist, right? Yeah. And so it's like, let's, that's why, like, the, the, in the gym, there is nothing like that because at the end of the day, it talks about what can you do? Like, what is your performance? Like, what are you capable of? What is your knowledge? Like, what do you bring to the table? What type of humility do you have? What type of, you know what I mean? What struggles have you been through? And so, like, um, that's, I don't know. Anyone doing jujitsu? I just don't see them being racist, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going too far, yeah. but I'm no, just saying. No, I got you. Just, no, no, I, no, you know, I it's just like I see the quality in things, and it's like I wish. And it, it is a struggle. It is a struggle, but um, sometimes you just, you know, I I get cut off in traffic. I get motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I was like, maybe they're going to the hospital. Oh yeah, and, I and then I just change it all. You know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Perspective, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think there Lost it is. It. That, but that's it. Jujitsu gives you perspective, and I think yeah. in one of the most healthiest ways possible right mm-hmm. um, i think it it and it also builds trust in in your fellow friends and and, yeah. and i'll say friends but let's say your your fellow individuals in your community that were complete strangers before you got on the mat with them you know yeah um and uh granted we all feel connections in brotherhood or sisterhood in different ways um but i believe that for me jujitsu has has proved to me that is, is the most effective way um, and I have yet to find one else. I mean, maybe surfing. I know a lot of people that bond uh, surfing, um, but uh, you know, or or rock climbing. When I was rock climbing, I created a really great um, community of friends uh, because, again, it's very similar. Where if someone's belaying you, you have a a level of trust that they they're not going to let you fall and die. And so I think uh, those type of intense things um, tend to build this uh, perspective in the other you know yeah and that mark twain quote that you quoted yeah, I forgot earlier what the quote was man what is a quote well all right, all right. look at come let's, on let's, let's look at daniel the, he's all daniel is the stat guy no. dog like i respect that like yeah. daniel, daniel's, got, daniel's got the cool background yeah. he's got the microphone yeah, he looks like a ghost up, right now we about to get statted on dog i know you know i I had a random thought i don't know if it related but it's just like you know like in jujitsu is like performance focus you know like you're not gonna get progression unless you can do the things you're being taught but there are some people that have a harder time than others and then like i never think of them any lists i just i respect the fact that they're coming back you know what i'm saying dude dude, i I, everybody who walks in the mat i know this is gonna sound weird but i literally think that they're there for me Oh. I know it's going to sound weird, but everybody who walks in, I'm like, thank you for coming in because now I have somebody to train yes. if I'm teaching or I have somebody to train with if I'm learning. I love and so that. they're there for me. Like, yeah, they're there for them and I'm happy for them. But realistically, they're there for me and I love it. But go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. And what was the That is true. Nobody, nobody does blood chokes like you. Yeah. <laughs> Danny does. Any, anybody who's better than me does. I'll tell you that. <laughs> A lot of people better than me. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. So before I quote this, I just want, I want everyone to remember that term perspective that we just looped to because that's that word perfectly sums up this quote. So travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts, broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things can, and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth, all one's lifetime. Yeah. Damn. And like I mean, like you said, Ed, so traveling doesn't mean getting on it. a plane. Traveling means challenging yourself and exposing yourself. And I think yeah. that's really New important. Ideas. 
I mean, that, dude, look, look at look at Anthony Bourdain. Why did Anthony Bourdain become so popular? Because he not only went out and traveled and ate the food, but he met with the people. He spoke with them. You know yeah. what I mean? He got to understand their cultures, and he fell in love with them. He he allowed people to fall in love with cultures they never even yeah. knew they were a part of. And that that's why he that's why his show was so popular and so strong. Even if you didn't agree with the dude, you didn't like his political views or you didn't like his attitude or his swearing or his smoking or his drinking or whatever it was. But, you know, he, he romanticized these things, maybe sometimes negatively or positively. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. you know, he allowed, he allowed people to travel without having to get out of their corners. And, and hopefully it inspired people to get out definitely. of their corners. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Tony. Yeah. Um, Blue belt for life. Hell yeah. Um, No, but like to your point, you don't need to travel. I mean, yeah, it's preferred if you travel the world and experience other cultures. Like, that's great. But as long as you're traveling outside of your own narrow perspective, Mm -hmm. because you got to remember, like, even if you think that you're, you know, that you're, that you're right and you're convinced of it and that you think that you have all the answers, you don't. You have one very narrow perspective that does not nearly encompass all the perspectives that are out there. The, the travel in this quote is, can easily be replaced with perspective. So perspective is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness as opposed to travel. That's really what it is. You know, jujitsu provides that like we, like we said. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Jujitsu is traveling for your soul. It's real fucking deep. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, all right. All right. That's that's great. I mean, we went over a lot. I think we, it's cool to end it like that. You know what I mean? It's just... Uh, Agreed. You know, just let's, you know, be active in the way you feel. But the, at the end of the day, if you're, you're saying you don't want to do certain things because you don't know if you can find the information or... Fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, just don't be a walking, um, like a walking contradiction. You know what I'm saying? Because whenever people want to learn some shit, it, it's easy to find that. But when, you, when you're forced to learn some shit, it's like maybe you should learn some shit. You know what I mean? Maybe you should, especially this thing that we're going through right now, it's like it's better to be informed. Like, it's just, yeah. So, and not everything's going to be exactly, like I said, there's, if there's two sides, both sides are probably wrong to a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? So, um, just make your up, up, up your own mind, but don't make it up based on very shallow things you know what i mean like have an earned opinion and uh you know it's it's the process that's going to get you more respect than the than the actual result you know like anthony bourdain like you said if he exposed cultures that were awesome and encouraged people in the way he wanted but people loved him because the way he he was he approached things not necessarily what he experienced but how he did it right so um, that's something we could all adopt right now you know what i mean so i appreciate it go go spend some time at the beach you know yeah We'll catch those waves. <laughs> Unfortunately, those beaches oh. still have clothes signs on it filled with people. But that's a different topic. Yeah, What's my beach is a mat, dog. Dude. That's the, that's the old thing. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, good night, guys. All right, thank, thank, you, thank you guys for jumping in on this. And um, shit, it was helpful for me, so I hope it helps some other folks just to hear different sides of shit, you know? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any subject requests or just want to chat, 
feel free to reach out to Denny or I via DM through the Instagram handle at from the dojo podcast or via email at Daniel at from the dojo.com or Denny that's D E N N E Y at from the dojo.com. Looking forward to hearing from you.